Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New team! Assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast When from Soonerscoop.com. The entire crew is here. We got a lot to talk about because a lot of stuff going on. Spring football is uh, ongoing. The spring game coming up on April 24th. Uh, we've got a head coach hired in in uh, men's basketball. He held his uh, introductory press conference today. Bob Prisbilla was one of the few that was allowed uh, there. It was actually in person. So the first in-person press conference um, since when? Probably Lincoln Riley back in the spring, before spring last year that never happened. Well, I guess technically our last one was Grinch that that Tuesday. But I mean, before. a full-on press conference with you know yes. seats yeah. and media yep. and the podium and all that stuff. That was an interview yep. session we had with Grinch. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I mean, uh, heading toward a new day. Uh, Josh McQuiston joins us. We'll get with Josh right now because I know he doesn't want us going too far into basketball stuff. Um, and by the way, Josh, you probably would have been mentioned in the video by uh, Ben if uh, you weren't such a basketball hater yesterday. Yeah, I didn't blame him for not acknowledging me. Um, you know, but at the same time, I've been told for a couple of weeks now we're done with basketball, and then it keeps coming up, and I, I'm <laughs> and just... I'm, I, yeah, I'm, we're I'm at tired basketball of all the damn now, Josh, all right? You're, damn it. You're covering the transfer portal the next week. My, I forgot to tell you. Uh, my days are numbered. This is I'm in deep shit. This is a real problem. Yeah, apparently Kansas just got a big transfer portal. So uh, while Arizona's firing their coach for cheating, uh, Kansas is giving theirs a lifetime contract. And he's oh. just rolling. Got Drake Star to Am transfer. Am I the only one that was like just shocked that Sean Miller has been there for 12 years? I was kind of shocked too. What? That's insane. He really hasn't done a lot. No. They couldn't beat the Badgers. The Badgers kept beating them. Yeah. It's just crazy. I cannot believe that he'd been there for 12 years. It didn't seem like that long. So we're going to get to some spring football, but we got uh, spring camp coming up this weekend. The first, another big first. Uh, Rivals already had one camp, but the, the Dallas camp coming up this weekend. Uh, I know all you guys are excited to get down there. Uh, Josh is uh, also going to be traveling the globe. Uh, Josh, why don't you just go ahead and start with a preview of kind of what your week is looking like? Uh, yeah, um, this is this is the week of Josh's family just being completely not part of his life. Um, tomorrow morning, get up, fly out to uh, Southern California, going to go see 
Los Alamitos, go down to, uh, or Los Alamitos, I think Alamitos, yeah, that's, that's better. Uh, gonna go down to Fountain Valley, kind of in the San Diego area. Uh, Malachi Nelson, the number two player in the recent Rivals 100. Uh, and Makai Lemon, the big time Rivals 100 wide receiver offer that Oklahoma's heavily involved with both. I think probably leads for both at this point. Uh, gonna see them play on Thursday night and then Friday night, turn around. Go see Relique Brown and Modern Day and just the absolute wagon that they are. Take on um, uh, Santa Margarita Catholic, which is actually the same um, school that Grant Calcaterra came from. So th- there's some connection there. Uh, should uh, I'm guessing I won't see much more than a half of Relique Brown just because, like I said, Modern Day. People, people keep seeing the scores I put up in the Future Sooners article, and they, <laughs> and they are like... W- w- Sorry, that's just money. That's our that's our bank account taking a hit with all these trips. Yeah. Every time an ad pop up comes up on the uh, board, <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing to do with that, Dan. Yeah, I want that, that to be that done was right now. Not, yeah, that that was be above our head. We had no, we do not lay out a code for the site. So, yeah, but you know was, what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna distress over the several hundred dollars we probably made while everyone hated us. Wow, this is you know, it's it's hard to think why you're so popular sometimes on the board. I mean, you know, it, it's you're just making friends everywhere. Um, but anyway, back but on I course. I did not tell. I did not tell <laughs> franchise coach to go on there and post that. All right, I just want that to be. We had a long talk after it was over. It went very poorly. We've talked about it. We're working some things out, but it was. It's it's been an all timer. Uh, sponsorship week at, at sooner scoop we've had a rogue sponsor uh we've had uh, video ads playing every time you try and go anywhere on the site uh people are up in arms and i get it like we do not want sooner scoop to become an intru- obtrusive experience where ads attack you all the time that's not our end goal we want it to be it's like with dead soxy on the pod like it's a very small part of what we do uh you know all the pods we've ever done, I don't think we've ever had more than three advertisers on a single pod. It's just we try and keep it to a minimum. We're not we're not trying to make your experience. We're not trying to sidetrack your experience of getting information. It's just happened that we've had a bad week and introduced new sponsors. And then we had rivals decided that they were going to get a whole bunch of sponsored videos out there. And it's just just I'm telling it, it will get better, folks. This is the worst it will be. This week, it's the worst. It will be better from here on out. There yeah, you go. We're, 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 you know, everybody's still figuring this stuff out. And at the same time, and guess what? Josh like, is going to California and San Diego yeah. because of sponsors. So exactly, like we, th- this, uh, like if we were a site that like all of us are driving, yeah, like if if we were all just living large, that'd be one thing. But we. You know, we've shown this for a long time. We put money back in the site. We travel more. We buy more equipment. We do different stuff. We're always adding features. So, like, th- these are these are good things for you all. The money will come back to everybody as subscribers. So it, it's nothing but good. But, yeah, so l- let me just finish off. So Relique Brown, going to see him Friday night. Board a plane on Saturday, fly to Dallas, and then catch the Rivals Camp in Dallas with Bob and Eddie, which should have a, a pretty healthy list. I know Demetrius Hunter will be there. I know Eddie and I saw him at Under Armour for two whole snaps, so very excited to actually get to watch him work a little bit. Uh, there shouldn't be some of the same problems we had at Under Armour. Um, 
in this one. So, like I said, it, it should be a lot of fun, a lot of good interviews, uh, you know, and obviously, like I said, just kind of getting out on the road and getting back to uh, a little bit of normalcy this spring. Eddie, when's the last time you shot video in person? Down there at the UA camp. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah. but it was raining and it sucked. And your vantage point—you're going to actually be among, I guess, among the players and stuff. I mean, I'm assuming it'll just be rules as usual. It'll just be masked up. And there's yeah. a good one, Eddie. When's the last time you shot video and felt good about it? Like you were like, <laughs> I feel good about what I'm getting. Honestly, can't remember. Cotton ball. Cotton ball is good. Cotton So I not in not at any point in 2021. I tell you that. Yeah, 2020. You mean? Well, I guess co- no. It was Cotton Bowl 2020. No, not at any point in 2021. Yeah, it was back in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I guess the second to last day of 2020. Everything was pushed forward a little bit. Yeah, last year. So, uh, well, let's talk about you know, uh, obviously the Dallas camp. Uh, a lot of players that you know we've had eyes on, uh, not just 2022, but beyond that. What? Let's talk about some of the highlights, some of the guys that you're really looking forward to seeing uh, down in Dallas, Josh. Well, you know, they are still kind of putting together the the roster. I mean, it's it's such a, oh, you're, you're always kind of just seeing who comes in at the last second. We'll get a chance to see, chance to see Gentry Williams. He's not going to work out, but we'll get a chance to catch up with him a little bit, see how he's doing. I know I've seen him doing some drill work. So he's getting close. You know, our, our guy that's currently our number one player in the state, uh, Talon Chetron, who's right in that conversation as well, will be there. Jacob Sexton. So, I mean, you're getting to see some in-state guys. This will be the first time we've really had a chance to see Chris McClellan. Um, you know, he was, again, at that Under Armour camp, but he went for a couple of snaps. So you just can't base too much off of that. But then, you know, you get into all the Texas guys. I mean, and you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, you. I'm trying to. I'm sitting here looking at the list, trying to go over. Obviously, uh, another one I do want to mention. No, I don't think Jordan Hudson's going to show. He and he and I've talked a little Gosh. bit about it. Uh, yeah, uh, Jaden Scarlett will be there. One of the recent defensive line offers. Uh, you've got Cole Hudson, the big offensive line offer. So I mean, you know, obviously me, I'm gravitating towards some of the linemen I'm seeing. Like I said, Terrence Brooks, uh, a safety that they've they've been heavily involved with for a long time. I think Oklahoma's chances there are probably pretty much a long shot. But they are. I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. So. Well, and I guess probably the one, you know, again, I, I hate that I'm kind of reading this as I go. Uh, Derek Brown, the, the outside linebacker from Texas High, he'll be there too. He was, again, at Under Armour, but we just get to see him a lot. And you'll get to see him do some drills, some footwork stuff, because at Under Armour, they were inside for so much of it. Basically, they did one-on-ones outside, and everything else was outside of our ability to view. So this will give us a good chance to really watch, get a feel for these guys, not just Oh, they can win a rep here or they can win a rep there. But how do they move? How, how are they going to fit into what Oklahoma wants to do? And I think with Derek Brown, that's tremendously interesting because he is a guy that, you know, I, I had a chance to see him live last year. I saw him when I saw Clayton Smith, and I thought he was a really good-looking athlete, but I can't say that he did a lot that night that said, that that's a guy. I mean, that that's absolutely going to be a guy. Now, at the same time, I had the same feeling about Clayton Smith when I saw him as a junior against Seth McGowan. So there's, you know, you don't ever want to base everything off of one night. But at the same time, I am interested to get a, a better feel for him and kind of what he's about. 
Well, it, I think it's important for fans uh, out there listening, for you scoopers, on Sunday, uh, Josh, Eddie, and uh, Bob will all be out there. Uh, they'll be feeding me back their interviews that are going to be done early in the morning. So even as the camp's going on, we're going to be uploading videos. So if you stay uh, tuned to the site all day on Sunday, you'll get to see the latest uh, from each of the recruits. Josh has promised me that the audio will be good. There won't be any... Uh, um, any wires in the frame as he interviews anybody. And Eddie will be there to make sure that he's okay, which is good. Yeah, Eddie will be there to keep me in line, basically. So, which is it, slightly I mean, terrifying really is, that Eddie is the voice of reason. We talked about this before the show. <laughs> it's, it is, I, I'm a little bit forgiving about snafus because we've all been, you know, out of our element we've all been eddie's been downloading video and cutting it up and not shooting anything and uh it's 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 bizarre like i went out to the airport yesterday sorry josh i'm taking a basketball detour uh and took a camera and <laughs> shot it and it was just weird it was just like i mean it kind of felt normal but at the same time you're like am i screwing am i doing this right am i screwing this up what does this look like um so it's just it takes some time to kind of get back into the swing of thing but thank god we we're finally getting a chance to do that no other way. I'd want to spend Master Sunday. <laughs> yeah, Eddie's not happy about it. Oh, boy. I, I, you know, Bob, has there ever been, like, a moment that interrupted, like, the U.S. Open or the Brit? Like, I, I don't even know what your what your tournament, your favorite tournament is in tennis. I know you're a huge tennis guy, though. It'd be, have to have be you like, ever had that moment? It'd be, like, Rafa versus uh, Federer uh, in the French Open or something. Yeah, well, I mean... The U.S. Open for the the single digits of people that care about this, the U.S. Open I watch all the time, and then the finals are Saturday and Sunday. Usually, it's an OU football game, and you don't even get to see anything. That's just the way it works out. Did you guys just hear Bob tell me that I asked a really shitty question that no one would care about? No, I think like, he's I saying that. that you guys are being a bunch of girls, and that he does his oh. duty and doesn't worry about watching <laughs> stuff oh. on TV. I oh. say no one cares about tennis who's listening to the pod and they're getting mad that we're still talking about it <laughs> guys i drive home from god knows where to uh, back to houston at three o'clock in the morning and you're damn right i wake up for my six o'clock arsenal game you, that's gonna happen and i'm gonna be publicly shamed because they're gonna get their heads kicked in yet again but i do it for my team so eddie you know bob's not wrong it's life we're gonna get eddie in and out as fast as we can so yes that's fair. We don't want him knifing a high school kid. It's, it's not good for anybody. So, uh, spring football, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, obviously, you know, 24th coming up. Uh, you know, Josh, I know I, I looked over some of your chat the other day and just kind of some of the things that people are interested in. Uh, and really, I mean, I, I kind of think the storylines have developed here uh, in terms of um, – you know, the young guys and who's real. I mean, we're going to talk to Eric Gray tomorrow, uh, so we're told. Uh, but, you know, continue to hear impressive things about him. Uh, Josh, I know you said you've also been hearing impressive things about Latrell McCutcheon uh, as a defensive back. And people even think that he could be in the mix for a starting job by the time the fall comes around. Uh, and, you know, I still think the Harrington thing is something that plays out and they don't worry too much about it in the spring. Uh, and then when fall camp gets here, you know, maybe they take another look. Or maybe they, they look, have him look at spring and say, look, you know, this happened and this happened. We think you could make an even bigger impact at safety, so why don't we try that in the fall? 
I think that's the direction that it's headed in. Uh, and, you know, I just kind of, I haven't heard a lot about Key Lawrence. Um, I think it's probably just a situation where he's learning a new defense, uh, trying to get set and, and figure out what he's supposed to do and feeling comfortable. Uh, but it was interesting, guys, talking to Marcus Stripling the other day, too, about, you know, his switch of position to rush end and, uh, you know, talked a lot about, you know, there's more pass drops involved. So, um Let's start there with Stripling. I mean, Josh, you've seen him a lot. Uh, we saw flashes of him a year ago, and I always kind of wondered why he didn't get more snaps uh, with some of the production that he showed. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see you know, what this position change does for him and how much it gets him on the field. Yeah, I'm really intrigued because, you know, and I, I want to own that last year I thought David Aguebu to middle linebacker, I was like, ah, that's one of those ideas they're just playing with. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we look back a year later and he looks like a difference maker there. Maybe I'll be wrong on Marcus Stripling as well, but that's such a weird fit for him because, I mean, like I said, he's never been a guy that's done that. I mean, like in high, he, this is like David Aguebu played receiver, played all over the place. Like you, you could understand, like, Okay, there's some ideas there that make some sense. He can move around. He's played in space. Marcus Stripling's never played in space like that. He's always been a hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy. So I'm very interested to see what that move looks like. Um, and honestly, I, I'm also interested to see, because you know you guys had talked about it, um, you know, them feeling pretty good about his weight maybe being a better fit there, you know, maybe not having to push his body to places it doesn't want to go. And I, maybe does he come down a little bit? All of a sudden he's at, you know, 240, two, you I know, think he and said that he's at range? 240 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what's that going to give him? Well, we have a little extra juice. I mean, like at that point, I think it gets interesting, but you've got to see how that changes his game. Like, I mean, does he look a little twitchier or is he still pretty much the same guy? He's just a little lighter. And if so, I don't know how long that lasts, but. You know, like I said, I mean, there, there's time there to be taken from somebody. I mean, now, I, I my bet is on Clayton Smith, but I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, don't I – I, I'm sorry, Bob. As far as Clayton Smith, you know, I asked about him. Uh, I don't really get the sense that he's, you know, physically – I mean, everybody looks at him like, wow, that kid's something. Uh, but I just think mentally he's not yet at the point where he can just – be consistently good day after day in practice at this point. Which, oh, you know, I, I, he's a, tra- he's, a mid, right, yeah. he's a mid, he's an early enrollee. So, I mean, that's expecting too much if you're expecting him just because he has five stars next to his name to come in and dominate every day. Well, that's what I always expect. <laughs> that's why everybody hates Buki. Yeah, this move felt like you, a reaction toward fair. John John Michael Terry leaving because Brendan Walker – as much as you like what he's done, he's someone that also hasn't really been around the program that, that much. So trying to get an experienced name in a backup role, because what did Jamar Cain say about Nick Benito last week? He knows his limit. He can't go 10, 15 straight plays. He goes all out for five or six, and you got to get a backup in, and you have to tr- have to have the trust that that guy can still get the job done. And I, I also kind of wonder um, just – just kind of feedback is, you know, where exactly Jalen Redmond is right now. I mean, him coming back for spring uh, or for bowl prep practices was a good sign. Uh, I just think that he's a guy, uh, you know, that is still coming back from injury that's not 100%. And also, Josh, I noticed on your chat, very interesting, 
uh, Kelvin Hicks uh, chimed in on uh, Marcus and his, uh, this is something only subscribers got to see, uh, but his dad came on the board and kind of gave an update on where Marcus Hicks was and just said, you know, some days he feels really good, but he's just not back to 100% yet. So I think sometimes people just kind of forget that these guys get injured and that they just come back and everything's normal, uh, especially from Achilles. I mean, that's that's a tough one to come back from, uh, especially, you know, for anybody, for a receiver, for a bigger guy. Uh, so I think those are two guys that I just kind of wonder if they're still fighting to get back to 100%. Good yeah, I mean... Oh. Six months to get it figured out. Five right. Months? Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not a race to the twenty fourth. I mean, they've got a lot of time. Josh, go ahead. Oh no, you know, I, I just was gonna say that. Um, sorry, uh, <laughs> I lost my old train of thought. I had something, and then I I was reading something on the board about uh well it's about Shane Witter so you know that's what oh, I stay. We reading haven't even on the got board. to linebackers yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean you did no, try. I, 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 go in that this was a total. <laughs> this David was a total accident. But uh, but no, th- it was an accident. But yeah, I, Josh is spiking you know, the football. Get ready, victory lap. Coming <laughs> no, up. no, no, no. Uh, w- with Hicks, like it's just one of those things where I. I think, you know, talking to athletes that have gone through that, that feels like one of the injuries more than any other that's a confidence thing. Like, it's just so debilitating that it's hard to, like, I can, I can push on that. I can believe in it. I, I'm, I, if I plant and cut, I'm going to be okay. And so I think sometimes guys that are perfectly fine by any medical standard really struggle with, okay, like, I, I can go on this. I can make this go. And I'm sure it's even harder. For a guy that's 300 pounds and a massive human being like Marcus Hicks is. Eddie, what's your worst sports enemy, injury? What is my worst sports injury? Yeah. I mean, smoking doesn't uh, really count, like lung capacity diminishing. That's not a sport. Uh, <laughs> I mean, have you, have, you well ever, you have, ever, have you ever broken a bone or anything? No. Same. Never. I thought I broke my arm once in baseball, but other than that. You guys might be superheroes then. Like, uh. Just tougher than other people. I'm telling you, when you break something, you're not tough. It just breaks. I broke my head open as a kid, but completely unrelated to sports. I did that many times. My brother Mm -hmm. threw a lot of stuff at me. (laughs) I'm not joking. I don't find that terribly hard to believe. (laughs) He has anger issues, so. That's it. Yeah, it's on him. It really is. You, you want me to get my mom on the pod? We'll do it. <laughs> we could have a mom segment. That'd be great. All right, so linebackers, I, we got to talk to Brian Odom yesterday. Uh, and really, I you know, I just think of it this way. Like, I, I've talked, you know, about this a little bit, uh, you know, this morning on the radio. But, Josh, like, go back. All through the Bob Stoops era. I mean, even before that. But think about the situations where OU lost a linebacker and just did not have a capable backup behind them. Like, in the early days, there was Torrance Marshall and Rocky Kalmus, and then there was really nobody else. And then Teddy Lehman came along. He and Rocky were together. Rufus came along, uh, hurt his knee. Uh, you can go to, like, Ryan Reynolds going down against Texas. And uh, poor Brandon Crow never recovered his reputation. Uh, 
And even think about the 2008 National Championship. Austin Box had his knee caved in in the Bedlam game, and they had to go with Mike Balligan, who at the time nobody really knew about. Uh, and it was just like there, Travis Lewis. I mean, when he got, uh, when did he, did he tear a, did he tear an ACL or something in, 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 in fall camp that year during the Oklahoma drill in 2011. Uh, and then he came back for that Florida state game, but they were bad until he came back. Like there's never the been, was, did he tear his peck? I think it was something in his or he broke his foot. I think he broke, broke his a foot. bone in his toe, yeah. his left foot. Yeah, I just okay. reading. I had to. That's I'd fine. go back okay. and look. Yeah, he broke his foot. Yeah, um, but I mean, OU's defense is littered with situations where they lost a starting linebacker and they just weren't nearly as good afterwards. I really think and look, Caleb Kelly is a whole different discussion. We'll have it, but between Aguebu, Deshaun White, Brian Osamoa, maybe Shane Witter. Uh, not Brian Mead. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, they really have a two deep that I think is as capable a two deep as they've had in 20 years at Oklahoma at linebacker. It, it, it's you know, I think about the number of guys that have just played, and I think that Brian Odom said it as much yesterday when he talks about the nine guys they've at least made some type of contribution, whether it be special teams or actually out on the field. And you know, I think that's why when you talk about a guy like a Caleb Kelly coming back for his six years, like. I kind of walked away from the Tuesday interview session thinking, like, he's going to have to bust his ass to get back and get out on the field when you talk about, uh, and kind of the glowing way that he was able to talk about, a Deshaun White who sounds like he's playing really high-level football right now. Brian Osamoa was coming on towards the end of the season. I think everybody kind of knows that they feel extremely good about uh, the direction that Shane Witter's going. So, I mean, and then and Eddie, you know, everybody, I mean, be the best one of all of them. And Eddie, everyone on the board over the last year, and us included, I think have been like, how can you not have David Aguebu on the field even more than you have him? Like, he's just such a physical specimen and so athletic. It's like he is kind of like Torrance Marshall. Like, to me, if you talk about a true All-American potential candidate, I think it's David Aguebu out of all those guys. Well, it's 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 almost like he is in the same form of Kenneth Murray, but maybe I don't know if like more advanced would be the right way to say it. More naturally powerful, like I would say. Ahead of schedule. More naturally explosive, but not about explosive, but powerful, definitely. Like Kenneth Murray and was never really kind of looks back at the Kenneth Murray thing and says it worked out pretty damn well. I mean, he had a hell of a year for the Chargers last year. He likes cars. Have you you follow him on Instagram? No, nah, I don't really care. You don't care about much. <laughs> well, no, I just don't care. I don't. I, I kind of after it gets over, it's like, yeah, he can spend his money however he wants. I just like following people, see what they're up to. Um, so, no, but I, I mean, this linebacker position, uh, and and you know, it's been funny because I think safety's in a better position, especially with Key Lawrence. But it's interesting that. Basically, Brian Odom came in here with a bare cupboard except for Kenneth Murray, uh, and he's built it maybe into, outside of cornerback, the deepest position on this defense. Yeah, he's built it yeah. to where you have four or five guys that can start and you won't blink. It's like, all right, sure. They're not going to hurt you. Know, you. It doesn't yeah. have to be Deshaun White. Awesome. You're right. It doesn't have to be Awesome. Not, you can't just 
to have guys by default like we've had in the past. And that's what, you know, obviously Odom talked about yesterday is earning it every single day because if you don't, there's someone behind you nipping at your heels that very well could take your spot. Guys, and I've said it since really after that Florida game because I was talking to people and I, I kept, I mean, I was so excited with what I saw out of Guaybu out of that game that I was kind of like, well, he's the guy, right? I mean, that that's the next, you know, Murray-type guy. And Odom's comments kind of matched up with what I had heard. And Asamoa is a guy they think just has massive potential with his, you know, I think Odom was talking about his footwork and his speed and how, you know, just how natural he is, but, you know, what needs to work on being a more consistent tackler and some of those things. But so it was just kind of a deal where can he put all the pieces together then he's special. I mean, like, really, and a, a guy that I think has kind of gone overlooked because, and it's understandable, like, Guaybu is such a freaky athlete, and he's so big, and, I mean, he's exactly what you draw up as just your prototypical, I don't even know, linebacker, just player, like, put him on the field somewhere. Uh, but is a little sneakier, but I think there is a, a lot of belief that he could have a huge breakout year. But to what you said, Kerry, I mean, Caleb Kelly is OU's fifth linebacker right now. And Odom really hasn't had a chance to rebuild that room. He's pretty much done it with what he had that wasn't a bunch of elite-level recruits and a bunch of amazing stuff. He's really done a nice job. And, you know, I know um, we, we've talked about it some, but the uh, the linebacker from Missouri that's got a chance to go in the first round, that that's a Brian Odom guy. I don't know that people recognize – not only is Brian Odom a good recruiter, but he has shown a lot of ability as an evaluator to find guys that not everybody else kind of is beating down the door for and, and find players that are quality. Because I think, you know, we talk about what's there right now. When Danny Stutzman arrived, or arrives, I've talked to a lot of people that think there's no way he doesn't play next year. Yeah, I mean, I remember going all the way back to uh, signing day, and I – wasn't it Odom that said that he thought he was maybe the most underrated player in the country in the 2021 class? Or the 2020 class? 2021. Got it right the first time. <laughs> Mark it. Uh, no, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I know, like I said, talking just to various people around the program, there is... There's a lot of enthusiasm for him, and I know there was some disappointment, honestly, and Stutzman's one of the few guys that COVID really had an impact on because, you know, when I went down to Florida and saw Danny, I talked to him and, and I said, you know, did you consider enrolling early? And he said, I, you know, I, I didn't want to commit to that because I wasn't sure, you know, as time went on, would I feel confident about Oklahoma? But then when he'd gone up there for uh, the event with Caleb Williams, he, he was like, man, I wish I would have, you know? So, I mean, the opportunity was there, but because of COVID and because of the chance he didn't have a chance to take a normal official visit, he kind of pulled back the reins. And by the time he, he knew he would have liked to enroll early, it was too late. But, uh, you know, so he's a guy that could be on campus right now taking snaps. And, you know, again, is a guy that I think is going to, going to surprise a lot of people. It's just amazing that, you know, we have so much to talk about with the defense and, you know, how far it's come. Uh, I think everybody knows that. You know, things are better on the defensive side of the football, and the expectations are that this is, you know, a truly potentially great defense that Oklahoma is putting together and that Alex Grinch is putting together. Uh, that being said, 
We haven't talked a lot about offense uh, and not saying that there's good reason. It's just that it is really strange that we have so much to talk about on the defensive side, but shifting over to the offense. Uh, real, real quick, real quick, yeah, real quick. Go ahead. Just as far as Shane Wider goes, am I the, like, was I, am I just the only person that was in the dark? Like when somebody put on the board that I think it was uh, Teddy Lehman had mentioned he's one of the faster players on the team. I completely thought that something had been lost in translation as far as what he was talking about. What when you hear Brian Odom say it again yesterday, I don't know. Like I, I guess I that just kind of takes me by surprise. Well, it it kind of does just because you haven't seen him out there on the field and you don't you haven't seen it translate on the field. I thought guys, correct in the the Florida game was probably his worst game. Like he just. There were times he seemed lost in that game, and it was because he got so much playing time. I think that was the most he had had to play at one time, not you know coming into a game that was well. I mean that game was out of hand from the beginning, but clearly against players that like the quarterbacks that they were playing, uh, you know those are going to be their future quarterbacks, and they're more of the Dan Mullen style, the run pass guys, uh, and they still have young, small, fast receivers and all that, and. I thought there were a couple times where I was just kind of like, "Ugh, that's not good looking." Uh, I mean, he just he has a lot of room to grow, and I think we'll start to see that as he starts to kind of figure things out defensively. Yeah, I think that wasn't it. That was one of his worst games, PFF wise, wasn't it? I, I think guess so because he had so many snaps as well. So I that make that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I remember yeah, I, pod, I remember podcasting, um, and uh, it was really late. I think it was just you and me, right, Eddie? Yeah. I think we let Bob yeah. just rag, rack out. But I remember it was so late after the PFF scores had come out, and I remember seeing Witters. Uh, he was way down near the bottom. And I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I remember some rough plays in that game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just you know, wanted to miss him. You can go ahead, Josh. And sorry for the, blast, uh, the, the blasphemy, uh, the Josh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm saying that this could end up feeling like a Trevor Lawrence situation for you, Carrie. I mean, I feel like you need to get more on board than you currently are. Like, you, you, you're just, you're going to regret Look, all I like, of this talk. I like the team Justin Fields is going to be on better than the team <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is going to be on at this point. <laughs> no, uh, but but seriously, I, I the thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned Keyshawn Lawrence earlier, kind of, you know, having some growing pains. The thing people should remember that guy played 105 snaps for a bad Tennessee defense last year. Terrible. There were eight defensive backs on Tennessee's roster who played more snaps than Keyshawn Lawrence. So this isn't like he's tremendously talented. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Clayton Smith, like huge recruit, all this. I get all that, and there's plenty of reason for hope. But don't get too far out in front of yourselves. Like he's going to have to learn. He was still learning at Tennessee. This isn't. This isn't Wanye Morris that really had a good feel for what was going on and played a lot of football. Keyshawn Lawrence is still very wet behind the ears, not to mention learning his second defense in two years. All right. Uh, you mentioned Wanye Morris. That saying being canceled in the next twenty years, uh, the next twenty days. What saying is that? Wet behind the ears. Wet behind what? the ears. I said it, and I was like that. I don't love the way that feels, but I, I just went with it anyway. Um, it's where weird. is it? Where is it? I'm trying to figure out. It's like I always thought, you know, pot calling the kettle black was racist, uh, and everybody's like, "Oh no!" That's I was like, "Well, tell me how it's not racist." Like, you're accusing someone of being black is a bad thing. It's like, "Oh well, no, that just means that they've been cooked on a lot." Okay, that's I. 
So wet behind the like I don't see the unintended racism in wet behind. I'm ignorant of it, I guess. So where is it? Where could it go wrong? I don't know if it's racist as much as I think that Christine Brennan it sounds would very old. find it a little sexist. Everybody has ears, I though. I thought do it like puppies. Yeah, it's like uh, if you're young. Not, yeah, right. If you're young, you're uh-huh. wet behind the ears. That's what I always thought. Yeah. I don't okay. know. Sure, I'll go with <laughs> that's, it. That's that. That's what I always because I put you know puppy they're wet behind the ears because they haven't grown grown up yet. Mm. See, Bob and I are coming from a wholesome background. You two bastards are <laughs> trying to make it something it's not. I I don't know that I think it's anything bad. I think it's just a weird expression. Like and I, and I know I said it, so you know I'll own that. But it's it's one of those kind of ones where you say it and you're like I don't really know what that means. Um, I'm looking at the meaning, and it's talking about like a baby is still wet or something. I don't understand. That's where that I at thought all. it came from. Yeah. Yeah. I. Mm, yeah. Mm. Just think of an ethnic person and say it to him and see if it sounds racist. <laughs> that seems like horrible <laughs> advice. Well, I mean, do it before you do it, like Brian Davis did it to Russell Westbrook. Like, think about what that saying would be if you said it to a black person. I mean. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there racial overtones involved that are obvious? Would Brian Davis be interested in doing the voiceover for the Is This Racist segment this, this year? <laughs> no, I guarantee he wouldn't. Okay, okay, just just wondering. And I wouldn't want to ask him because <laughs> he's a super <laughs> nice man. Probably find I'm sure he is. The thing is, Brian Davis and his wife are like, they might as well be hippies. They're like so nice and so like super liberal and... This, that was a bad situation. Anyway, um, I felt bad for all parties involved. So, offensively, you mentioned Wanye Morris. Uh, since we've potted last, we did talk to Lincoln Riley on Friday, where he said that Wanye Morris had just started practicing, which, you know, I had put it out there that there were some issues with him uh, and that he wasn't practicing with the team. It's possible those issues are now being cleared up a little bit. Uh, so that would be good news. But, yeah, you would like to get Wanya Morris on the practice field because uh, he's a guy that could be one of your starters. And I think we all believe that Chris Murray will probably be the starting center. Um, outside of that, I mean, I think Marquise Hayes should be a starter. But those other two positions, and even the the left tackle, I mean, I think it, any it's anybody's game at this point on the offensive line. And it's a little bit concerning just because... You don't want to have Spencer Rattler unsettled as a quarterback in the pocket next year. And you want to be able to run the ball better than you did last year. I, I mean, isn't the most important thing for Wanye, though? I mean, it's not like, of course, he could use the reps, but just having him around the program is probably more important than the opposite of him not even being able to be on campus, right? I'd say that if he hadn't missed most of last year. Didn't huh? he? Didn't he miss most of last year? Well, he had the hip injury that really hindered his development. Like he wasn't sure. the same player, and he had COVID issues. I, if if it's if it's COVID or contact tracing, I'm really not sure. But yeah, it, I mean, just like any other lineman, that that year kind of destroyed for him. Which yeah. I mean, we found well, out if, was if anything. Look at what Tyrese Robinson said, just as far as the chemistry that they had on that offensive line a year ago. Yeah. They need the reps as, as much as possible. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, a, a change in, in body type, a change in, in weight loss 
is beneficial to Tyrese Robinson because he said flat out, yeah, I was too heavy last year. But outside of that, I mean, we are going to talk, which surprised the hell out of me. Uh, Lincoln Riley's going to allow us to talk to Jaden Hazelwood and Trajan Bridges tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to kind of get their perspective of you know what they've been through, how they're doing in camp. Uh, but, I mean, the wide receiver position, that was kind of the first salvo that Lincoln Riley launched this spring is that he's pushing for a lot more out of those guys than he's gotten. Uh, and to be honest, I think, you know, when you ask people about them, like, yeah, they're really good players, but they've, it's almost like no matter what they do in practice, nobody's really going to give them a pass until they're doing it on game day on a regular basis. I, I think Are that's fair. And- too much in, into it, though, for those guys to be available. Is that saying that they're making the strides that Lincoln needs to see? I think it does because Lincoln, he's, he's, crazy about who he lets talk and doesn't talk. I mean, the fact he finally lets talk to Perry on Winfrey was, like, unbelievable. I think tomorrow's just a wild card. Aren't, we're getting Eric Gray, Eric too, Gray too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think Those are the three. Card. He's setting us up for something. I don't know what it is, but he's setting us up. I think what it is is he, he has to sell he's some... He's intimidated by Porter Moser. He's got to sell some tickets to this game, so he's going to be like, oh, shit, we got to let him talk to the people they want to talk to now so they'll write stories. They don't have to sell that many tickets. It's 25%. Yeah, but that's capacity for a spring game, usually. Not to mention, I, I don't know if you've seen, I mean, the Rangers, they sold out, but you, know, you got all these polls saying that, you know, so many percentage of people aren't even going to go to sporting events when they open again. Jesus Christ. If you don't want to go to a game, don't go. That sounds like I'm not a- asking you to judge people, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just telling you the reality of the situation. My God. I mean, it's like saying it's like bitching about people not getting the vaccine. People aren't some people aren't gonna get the vaccine. They're just not gonna do it. It's just the way things are. I'm not asking for a social commentary. I'm just telling you, they, they probably need to work a little bit to sell tickets because some people don't want to go out and, and be in crowds yet. Just the way things are. Whatever the cause, I will take it. Okay. I, I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, Austin Stogner is really doing so far this spring. I think that's kind of a, a question that I have. Um, but obviously, I, you know, the one thing I haven't had a chance to, t- to ask Lincoln was uh, that I want to talk to him about is... You know, does this does this spring camp change a little bit in how physical you are? Because you didn't have one last spring. You didn't have as many games last year. Do you kind of want to get guys back out into a physical mindset? Because you can kind of, not that you can afford to, but you're kind of in a position where you probably need to do that a little bit more. Don't you guys think? Or am I just wrong? It's just it's never been his way in spring game, so it would be a clear change of mentality. I mean, it would make it more enjoyable. The fans would enjoy it more. We would oh, actually yeah. maybe actually learn stuff from watching the game, but it would go against everything that Lincoln has done in years uh, past. Which is kind of continued what Bob did, which is you don't play your star running backs. Yep. 
-hmm. You only give your, you know, real stars so many series and then they're out. Uh, He would play quarterbacks a lot, but that was really about it. Especially the best defenders wouldn't play a lot. And, And really, even with Lincoln in his spring games, if you can get a half worth of interesting scrimmage, that's about all you could hope for. I mean, I think we had one spring scrimmage where it was just a half. Didn't we? Wasn't there some reason for that, though? Like, it seems like I remember that. I'm pretty sure that's what it was in 2019 on the Friday night thing. They just played one half. And it was Well, there's always the the running clock in the second half. That's that's been a a thing that's been going on for a few years now. But I don't know about just the single half. I've said it before. This will sell tickets. The spring game is the most overrated thing of the entire spring. Yeah, and you forget about it until you get to it, though. It's like everybody gets hyped up about it. It's like spring game, spring game, spring game. And then you get there and you're three series in and you're like, God, this isn't, I remember how bad this really is now. Yeah, to me, I mean, and, you know, obviously it's from my perspective, but I think the recruiting is always the interesting part because they do vanilla it out so much on the field. Like they don't show you anything you don't already know, pretty much. Um, but there is like, and I will say, there's there's plenty of talk. Talking to a few of uh, the commitments, they're planning to have something. You know, they're all going to try to go to the spring game, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. And if any guys that are uncommitted come along, you know, those kind of things. But um, to me, that's always more interesting because you get some new information out of that as to where the game itself is pretty pretty bland usually. So you're saying recruits are planning on making the trip just because it's a public scrimmage that they yeah. they're going to go see it even though they can't have any interaction with the coaches. Yep, yep. I, I there was um, the what got me started down this road is there was actually a post on the board um, that a Texas side had talked to Jordan Hudson and Jordan Hudson and said he was coming up this week and that didn't sound right to me and so I checked with a, a few of the other guys and I'm still kind of waiting to hear back from Jordan. Um, but it sounds like a few are coming up next week just to kind of be around. I know Jason Llewellyn is going to come. Uh, and then several of the guys are planning to be there for the spring game. Llewellyn is, is included, uh, Demetrius Hunter. So there are going to be, uh, there is going to be at least some gathering of recruits. You'd have to think Talon Chetron would come down. Um, and you know, like I said, we'll, it's a little early yet, uh, to kind of see what guys are going to do. But yeah, I, I am expecting some actual recruiting presence at this. Well, because that was one way that I know Washington has done this, where they've opened up their practices to the public, because that means recruits can show up to the spring practices. I don't think OU is going to do that except for the spring game, but it was a interesting way of getting around the dead period is if you open your practice, well, then any recruit can show up. They just can't, you know, interact with the coaches and players af- uh, afterward. I think Arkansas did the same, didn't they? Open some practices. I, I think they're yeah, entire- Rings open, Carrie. I think you're right. I thought yeah, I, thought I saw that. some schools for sure, yeah. That that sounds like Sam Pittman. All right. Um, so, anything else uh, recruiting-wise we want to get into, Josh? Because I'm kind of, in a way, I know you're taking off, uh, and we have some basketball stuff to talk about, so I thought we might make that the end of the show. So you can just bow out if you want to. Sure, sure. No, I, you know, I, I. If you guys don't want my basketball insight, I guess that's fine. Last weekend. No, I think the problem no, is that we want your weekend. basketball insight. You just won't give any. 
because uh, I have none to get. Like, I know where my limits are. I know that that is not an arena I need to dive into. Um, but, yeah, Bob's right. We, we didn't even talk about going to Virginia last weekend, uh, going to see Calvin Gilliam and DeMond Harmon. Uh, you know, it was a game where Harmon didn't really get a chance to have a role. They, they, th- the, ver- the, ver- I think it's Verina is the right way to say it. I want to say Verina, but I don't think that's correct. Uh, Verina is, and you know, for those that haven't seen it, I put it on a bunch of stories because I just thought it was kind of an interesting storyline. Uh, this is the team that ended Highland Spr- uh, Springs' you know, four state titles in a row, 40 game winning streak. It all ended at this team's hands a couple of years ago in the 2019 playoffs. So they were, absolutely jacked for this game and when i had talked to gilliam uh kind of in january and said hey if i was going to come to a game which one should it be and he he told me this one and so from there on that was just kind of always my plan and so uh like i said they were very up for the game Harmon didn't like i said wasn't thrown at much they threw at him a couple of times he had a he's very physical that that's the thing i came away feeling comfortable about whether it's in coverage whether it's coming up to play run I, you know, we talked about Billy Bowman, kind of, well, would he play corner? Would he play safety? You know, where would he fit best? Harmon, I, I, with Bowman, I think he had to be a corner. Harmon, I think, could play safety if that's what OU wants to do with him. I, I think he has that kind of ability, has that kind of frame. He's a big, long guy. Kind of reminds me of Gabe Lynn at the same point in time, for those that can, you know, remember Gabe, kind of have that idea in your head. Uh, Kelvin Gilliam, on the other hand, he was involved in everything. They were running for a few snaps they ran at him and then they realized that was a terrible idea (laughs) and just started to kind of run a lot a lot of zone away from him letting the quarterback read gilliam but with his athleticism he still closed down several plays had a big fumble recovery and i i don't know if eddie knew going in as he was breaking on that video that that recovery was going to happen but I've got to think he was feeling the same way I was. I'm like, pick it up, Kelvin. Pick it up. Pick it up. Like, cause I want the great highlight. Cause he was running right at me and it just didn't happen. He just, you know, he smartly fell on it, but, um, was just completely disruptive all night. I think in the first half, Verina had one first down and I think maybe one more in the third quarter. In the fourth, they kind of got it going a little bit, but for three quarters, their offense was just non-existent. They couldn't get anything going. And I will say they have a 2023 defensive end, um, Miles Green, uh, that has an older brother that's actually at Clemson right now. So there's good bloodlines there. And he is similar uh, to Gilliam, I would assume, as a sophomore. He's about 6'3", 240. I know Oklahoma's already talking to him. They've got some interest. Or not talking to him, but, you know, kind of keeping tabs on him with the uh, the Highland Springs staff. So, uh, I don't know that Oklahoma's done at that school, and uh, Gilliam Gilliam looks like a million bucks. Uh, you know, somebody asked me, who does he look like? He doesn't look like anybody OU signed in several years. He is just so well-developed, and he's, you know, he's probably 260 pounds, and he's flat-bellied, and he's got arms. I mean, he, he's just a – he is definitely a, a bad-looking dude. And as, as he gets better and learns to – kind of trust what he's seeing he's playing on instinct right now but as he gets better and further develops his game he really he can be a special player i can't confirm as he left his feet i uh let out a couple expletives in that highlight (laughs) because i realized he wasn't gonna scoop and score there i i'm telling you i'm tracking it on the camera i'm like come on come on come on because i knew I, i could see it all happening and it looked like he had space to run and he just he fell on it uh now 
you know, he was at their like 20 yard line. So it's not a bad decision. And I think if I remember right, they, they scored their second touchdown on that drive. So, you know, it worked out fine for everybody. But, you know, it, like I said, it would have been nice to see a big guy touchdown. You know, it's funny when you send back video like that and you kind of, I, I guess I, I don't really know what to expect, but I have a pretty good idea. And it, it's, it only takes a couple clips. And, you know, we've seen this over the last couple of years, whether it be uh, somebody that we've seen live with Latrell McCutcheon or, you know, video that you sent back with Clayton Smith. Uh, you know, just any of those types of guys. And it's like, yep, it doesn't take very long uh, to see him shut down. And, you know, a couple of those clips that you re- referenced as far as them trying to run at him. And, I mean, he just ate it up. It, it's, it's, it was rather impressive. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you just need to put out like two or three clips on Twitter and you're like, and that's, that's all I have to show you. Like, I don't need a lot more to let you know that that dude's special. Um, he, he's raw, you know, and I, I will say talking to a few people, I got the impression maybe OU plans to use him in a way similar to what kind of they had Jalen Redmond doing in 2019, kind of using, you know, letting him bulk up a little bit, playing in a similar role. So I, I'd keep an eye on that. I, I think, and I think that makes a lot of sense because the, the video you're going to watch is him playing defensive end. And that's, that's just not where he's going to be best suited out there. He's a good athlete. You move him inside, he's a great athlete. And then you can watch him kind of really, I think, become a highly skilled pass rusher on the inside, which is what I think Oklahoma would really, you know, in an ideal world, that's where they'd have him. So he's you see him more kind of like a Perry on Winfrey type impact guy in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of playing that three. I, I think he could slide over and play nose in, in the right situations. Um, he'll have to get bigger. like Because like I said, you just see him in person, and you're like, holy crap, because there's room to put on weight, but at the same time, he's already so big and strong and muscular. You're like, I don't know how you just add. Like, it's not like, oh, I'll just put some muscle weight on. Like, nope, there's a lot of muscle already there. So I'm he's, he's going to be really interesting to see how that first, you know, year to 18 months works out and how he, how they kind of – uh, address his weight like I mean is he gonna are they gonna try to push him to 285 and maybe he could play some nose or are they gonna leave him 265 270 and have him playing more of that three tech now just to be clear uh are if if you uh are afraid of Tiffany for what happened uh at in Virginia blink three times Tiffany has not been informed of what happened, so let's just keep this on the hush. Josh flew 1,300 miles to do uh, two video interviews that were ruined from audio. So, Yeah, a, a faulty cord. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know. That, that cord no, just... Tell them what you did. Tell them what you did. <laughs> like, I didn't, even know See, that, I didn't even know that you could do this, but you found a way to do it. This is why I, I, I couldn't believe Carrie was actually going to let me go from the pod without this coming up. So this has all come around perfectly. Um, no, first we had the wire in the frame. Uh, yes, we had the wire. Uh, Demetrius Hunter. Yep. Yeah, this is I, – I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to COVID. I, you know, it's just I, I'm not sharp on my game right now. I haven't had the off-season conditioning that I'm per- usually, you know, involved with. Um but no, so go to do the, you know, the interviews after the game. And I usually, and I had talked to everybody at Highland Springs, made sure that was going to be okay that, you know, cause they had to catch a bus and head back home. But the coaches, you know, everybody agreed, you know, being very gracious cause they knew I'd come all that way. So 
they uh I set everything up and I I I literally walk over to the locker room and I'm just waiting for Kelvin and uh Damond. I I got to say that right because I've been saying Damond it's Damond so we will have to work on that. But um anyway, I'm waiting get you know get the guys we walk back over and I don't think anything of it. Like I I everything's plugged in and so I come home, send the video or go to the hotel, send the video to Eddie and fly back home i think nothing i think we've got the interview i i literally had checked everything two or three times trying to make sure that i don't screw this up don't screw this up and then eddie sends me a message like sunday morning on easter morning and he's like hey man the there's some problems with the audio and my first thought is because it's happened before like an upload just didn't go through right and i'm like okay let me let me check it i get home Sure enough, the audio is just shit. Like, it, it's bad, and I don't know why. And Kelly's giving me all these, you know, like, just good suggestions. Like, oh, it could be this, it could I'm be that. I'm literally okay. looking up the instructions yep. online and saying it needs to be this setting, this setting, And this sending setting, me this pictures setting. of them. Like, yes. it was very helpful. Like, and But I'm looking, and I'm like, because I, I, you would ask me, like, did the kids get a hold of them? I'm like, no, they, they don't. I like, think that's the only part where you actually got mad at me is when I blamed your daughters for for ruining. No, like, I, I hey, that's then it's only sort of my fault because I'm <laughs> raising them, but at least they have Which, to accept to fair, some people, responsibility. We've never talked about this before, but your daughters do like to push buttons and turn knobs, and it's been they a problem. In it's your, been an in issue on the podcast yes. stuff. Yep, that that's happened before. That's a fact. I know people um, that do that for a living, so it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> So, um, what, so I did, you know, so I get to looking at it and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, everybody in my house is asleep and I'm, so I'm in the dark and finally I'm like, okay, let me turn a light on here. Let me start messing with this. And I look at it and I'm like, that cord looks wrong. Like, and I just, I mean, immediately I, I finally get a good look at it. I'm like, oh shit. And it's just, I have reversed the direction of the cord. It's a little two ended cord. And one end screws in to yes. the piece, mm-hmm. but I just didn't. I don't. A, a I don't know how it came it. unscrewed mm-hmm. because I do not take it off. Like I, I am very deliberate. Again, I know what I don't know, and so I don't screw with stuff I don't know much about. And I'm like, I'm not touching that. I feel like and I should so just I leave it let you in. stop now because you've just gone on and on, and no one really cares. I just wanted to torture ah, you a little bit, and now I feel fine. like I'm abusing you as, <laughs> no, as my business I like, partner. I, I will absolutely own and I screw up, and I screwed that up. Like, I, I did, and that's you, – you were – fairly upset the other night and i was like let him go man i i i am annoyed being as upset, well though by telling you everything that you could have possibly done wrong and trying to correct it and doing it so maniacally that you're yes. like he really is pissed off but he's just not yep. he's just not screaming yes yeah you 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 were you were dm screaming it, no, it, no 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 tur- here's how here's how i get mad i send you something and then I stew on it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to send him this, too. And I send you something else. And then after I've sent you about eight things, I send you number nine, and then I send you number ten. And it's all just supposed to be helpful, but it's really my way of just bitching at you. Oh, it's passive-aggressive as yeah. shit. There's no doubt. Like, I, I know what that is. Like, that's okay. And, again, like, I, if I'm one of those people, like, if I feel like it's it's fair, I'll take it. That's fine. Like, yeah, I'll you, own you it. took that, it. And you're um, taking it now. You're taking it more than you yeah. should, really. To be no, it, like it's it's all good. Like it's, it's boring to everybody. That's why we don't want to go on with it. But um, but, but you know, 
I, no, no, no. I, I wanted to lead into basketball, so I'll get out of here and you guys can. But I just wanted to take a minute and thank Bob for going to the press conference and then, you know, like writing a story about it. I, I, I thought that was really impressive, Bob, to be there and write a story and not just, you know, like pretend you were there. Like, I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Taking shots again. It's what I can Why do in basketball, Carrie. <laughs> Well, okay. I mean, you know. He also took and, photos while it, he was there. And, it will be okay. ready by the time people listen. And now that we've shot me down, let's build Carrie up. Carrie, who gave you a fist bump at the uh, at the plane? Joe Castiglione did. Oh. And, and Bob, let me ask you, did you feel like Joe was uh, was going after me at the start of his thing about people finding things out before he wanted them to? Well, a little bit, you know, because what? It's been, he always hires someone way off the radar that no one saw coming. But by Thursday night, everyone started to. Yeah, I think he was a little more upset that, that it kind of got out there that Porter Moser was the guy that he hired more than he was upset at me for for crashing their yeah. party yesterday. Yeah, that didn't matter. <laughs> no, he you saw it on video. He laughed about it. He came over and gave me a fist bump. So I I would say if anybody was mad they didn't really show it. I think Sooner Scoop got a lot of love yesterday. So I was I was pleased. As well they should and you know uh, again Eddie, it was a bad day for Eddie because he loves airports as much as I do and we found out <laughs> too late for him to get down here. Way too late, yeah, way too late. I mean we literally found out five minutes. Realistically, go there. And I, I live. About, I needed about. 15 minutes. Yeah, I live literally five minutes from Max Westheimer. So, and I, I was fortunate to get green lights uh, on flood. So I just zoomed right in. And they were actually walking off of the plane when I got there. And then I thought I was recording, but I wasn't recording because, it, Josh, I screwed up. It was a new camera. I'd never used it before. And then I realized I'm just pointing camera that's not recording anything for like five minutes. This shit can happen, man. Like I, you know, I, I, it's never happened to me, but I can empathize. I mean, that's that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but Josh, we will let you go, and we'll talk about the uh, Porter Mosier situation and uh, catch back up next week. After it's only four days, you're going to be away from your family. Sure. Oh no, going to be fine. My family is uh, glad to be rid of me. There, there's probably no doubt about it. But uh, guys, I, I just want to say I I couldn't. My level of excitement has gone up for OU basketball. I mean, and we know it was pretty high to begin with, so <laughs> this is it's a big step. I'm, I, I mean, so you've gone I'm, from I'm negative to, to positive, basically. As I'm flying on the plane tomorrow, I'm going to listen to this segment. I'm going to get more juiced about it. I, I'm ready. You know, I, I do, Josh, in a way, find it pretty honorable that the week of the Masters, you're spending time away from your family, and I can only help but think this is a little bit of a tip of the cap to 2018 winner Patrick Reed. Well, you know, and Friday, Eddie, I won't have anywhere to go, and I'm just going to have all day, kind of the middle of the day to hang out. I, I don't know what I'll do with my time. Um, but, yeah, it's uh You'll not probably... watch the Masters just to piss off Eddie is what you'll, what you'll do. <laughs> uh, I think the, funny part of, the funniest part about this is, is the people that do follow golf will get that joke about Patrick Reed being away from his family. Oh, God. Now, see – I, now that you've walked me into it, I'm there. But at the time, nope, I'm with you. Didn't didn't get it at all. But yeah, that I think um, it's funnier that way. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I mean, and if you're and if you're not golf fans out there, Patrick Reed hasn't talked to his family in like 20 years. 
and is an effing scumbag. Allegedly. Same as Allegedly. Angel Cabrera. He's allegedly <laughs> a scumbag that likes to beat up on women. We don't know. We he, he's waiting for his day in court. Mm-hmm. You know they no, left the I'm, table. They left the seat open at the champions dinner for him because he's a uh, obviously a winner from I think 2007. But they needed to leave a chair open for uh, on hell. I don't think they did that. He's in a Brazilian prison. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably runs that thing with all the cigarettes he smokes. I think he quit. Like he quit back in 2009 what? when he won the U.S. Open. Yeah, he was smoking away that year at the Masters, wasn't he? I always think yes. of Jimenez is the yep. is the smoker, and that dude's a baller rolling around with his stogies, just working them. That dude is a interesting cat. Most interesting man in the world. All right, uh, Josh, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all the work you're getting ready to put in. Uh, go check out the website. Uh, we will be, uh, Josh will be all over it. Uh, follow him. Uh, by the way, follow him on Instagram. What's your Instagram, Josh, for people that want to follow your immediate postings while you're out there? Let's see here. That's a great question, Carrie. Let me uh, make sure of that. I think it's Josh underscore scoop like I did on the other, but I'm not sure that's right. Uh... Bear with, yeah, Josh underscore scoop. Just like if you follow me on Twitter, follow the same name, you'll find me. So uh, that's yeah, branding, we'll, we'll, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Let me yep. look up and see what my username is, so you can follow me. Uh, I mean, a cute picture of Layla and some glasses, and me with a mask. I mean, you got that to look forward to when you find me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll have video, we'll have pictures, we'll we'll do all the stuff, and uh, should have good audio this time. Ho- hopefully, I can't find a way to screw this up. You'll leave the lens cap on this time, probably. Uh, it's possible. I don't, I don't want to overpromise. All right, Josh. I appreciate it. Safe travels, and uh, we'll see you down in Dallas at the Rivals Camp on Sunday. All right, late, fellows. Later. Did he say ladies? Was he saying ladies? He's disconnected. I think he was going to say late. Later. And then <laughs> later with fellows, and they came out together. Uh, that's like, I love you, man, when he's always trying to come up with something to say on the phone. is like, catch you on the flip side. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but that's one of my favorite movies. All right, we uh, we got a real live press conference today. It was socially distanced, but our Bob Prisbillo was there in attendance and got to meet uh, Porter Moser uh, for the first time today. And Bob, I think everybody's first impressions was, yeah, 52 years old, but it's a young 52, and this guy has a ton of energy. And that's what he brought up, a young 52. I mean, you saw the excitement in the game day interview on Saturday, and it carried over yesterday when he arrived at the airport but he went a strong 40 minutes today never wavered he ate eight minute opening statement a 32 minutes of question and answer and you never got a sense that he was getting tired or getting fatigued like he embraces this he loves it and i think it's a great sign in terms of where this program will be going with recruiting, because I think that's the one thing, if there's any knock that people have had on Lon Kruger, is that it just felt like he wasn't on that type of recruiting grind anymore, where you know Moser is going to go all in and do whatever it takes to get this program to where he wants it to be. And, Eddie, I don't know how old you were when the Gene Stevenson press conference happened, uh, when he took the OU job and then quit uh, right after. Uh, it, I always think about that as my barometer for how a press conference goes bad because the whole time we were all sitting in that room, everybody was like, man, this is really weird. Like, 
They gave him a jersey and he took it off and he put it on a chair and it just didn't seem like a guy that was all in taking a job. I really felt today like Porter Moser was a guy that was completely bought into Oklahoma, completely bought into Joe Castiglione, uh, and completely bought into winning and, and, and Oklahoma being a place where he could win and win big. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the most important thing when you talk about you know the kind of hire. I mean, not only uh, did Porter Moser bring energy, but I think it got people excited just from the outside looking in, uh, just from what people said on Twitter. And obviously, it's going to be dependent on what they do on the floor and what the roster, what happens with the roster. But like, I think that there's a sense of energy within the Oklahoma basketball fan base right now that you know, let's be frank. I think that as good as Long Kruger was over the last decade. Uh, I think it needed some type of booster shot, if you will. And I think Porter Moser brings that. And, uh, you know, just from the outside looking in, it feels like this is uh, not just a great opportunity for Oklahoma and getting, you know, probably the up-and-coming coach or one of the biggest names out there in the coaching market when it comes to college basketball. But I think, you know, it kind of goes hand-in-hand. This is a huge opportunity for Porter Moser to show that uh, he's not just a mid-major coach. He's not just a guy that is – Turned, turned around a Loyola Chicago program into a national player, but is somebody that can come into the Big 12 and coach with, uh, you know, kind of the best of the best, I guess you can say, after Baylor won on Monday night. So uh, I, I thought it was kind of exciting. It's going to be interesting to see how he fills out the rest of the, of his uh, staff, uh, you know, with with the two guys that have already uh, kind of st- stood in line with KT Turner and then uh, Dildy from Northwestern. So, uh, you know, I think the next kind of the next movements are going to be finishing out the staff and then obviously uh, re-recruiting guys to be a part of uh, whatever he is building here. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned that, Eddie. Moja Gibson was the lone scholarship player that was in attendance today. Don't read that as a bad sign. We've heard we were told afterward a lot of those players had class or conflicts as to why they couldn't go there. But for, I mean, you look at that roster and how it's been gutted the last two, three weeks, and that is obviously priority number one is trying to figure out who's going to stay. And then whoever isn't trying to get those pieces that you're going to need to be competitive. But that's just, that's college basketball. You talk about all the transfers at Baylor, all the transfers from Gonzaga. Like that's how teams are made. Now you have a couple homegrown recruited from high school products, some junior college and some transfers and you just make it all work. And that's been the challenge for all coaches. And I'm sure some of them, have been around maybe that's you know something like a Roy Williams why he wants to retire like this isn't the game that I know anymore and you've had to adjust and Moser seems very willing and capable and able to do just that I think that it's a lot like football in that you know if you don't have a coach that is wakes up every day and it's something that he wants to eat sleep breathe like you're not going to have a good program and it goes into the recruiting ranks. It goes into on-court coaching kind of goes into everything. And I think that is why the, you know, just the energy that, uh, you know, that Moser brought in the first day, uh, you know, I think it'll be infectious in a way and we'll see where it goes from here. It's going to be exciting though. You know, it, for the, for people that are, you know, the basketball purists uh, that, that, you know, followed basketball for a long time, uh, I'm sure they're happy to know that he is uh, Porter Moser is a Rick Majerus protege, and for people uh, that followed so awesome. basketball in the '90s, uh, Rick Majerus. I mean, they were together at St. Louis, but Rick Majerus was one of the biggest names in, in college coaching when he was at Utah. Uh, coached uh, Keith Van Horn, um, 
the the Miller guy. I can't even think of his first Andre name. Miller. Andre Miller. Uh, but I mean, he was a guy that year after year, the NBA kept come coming calling, uh, trying to get him to leave college to coach in the NBA, and he just continued to stay in college. Uh, but I mean, what a mentor to have in coaching and in, in Rick Majerus for people that didn't really know who Rick Majerus was. Yeah, and it's clear that's where the turnaround happened. Although he mentioned Illinois State, you know, being fired from that, how that, in, you know, inspired him throughout the rest of his career. Like that's motivation. It's never happened again. It was at that stint with Majerus at St. Louis as an assistant. You kind of got a feeling that's where his whole coaching career got on track and then he used those philosophies and those principles to Loyola for the last 10 seasons. And you know, there's no identity crisis. He knows who he is as a coach, as a person, he knows what type of program he wants to run and he knows he can do, he can bring that same set of philosophy from Chicago to Norman and make it work. And guys, I think the thing that I took mostly from, from hearing from Porter Moser today was, uh, look, we all really admired Lon Kruger, what he stood for, who he was. Uh, Lon Kruger was, you know, a very nice man. Uh, and, you know, he coached, you know, his team hard. Uh, and he got, you know, as much as you could, as he could out of, out of a team. Uh, but there's a piece of po- a Porter Moser that it's just kind of inspiring just to hear him talk like, He's he's a little bit of a motivator in how he speaks and how he approaches things. That little bit of a gleam, little flicker there that you didn't quite get with Alon Kruger. It, it's like they and you know he talked about this quite a bit this morning as far as uh, the intro press conference. But I think that the principles align with a lot of what Alon Kruger led. That's why there was such a perfect fit when Oklahoma came calling and uh, you know the Joseph Hendrickson guy. Uh, that wrote it in the Sun-Times that you did the Q&A with, Bob, talked about it a little bit just as far as this is a perfect fit for Porter Moser from Chicago looking back into Norman and, you know, reversely. But at the same time, I think that there is that energy that you're getting in a younger coach, even if that number of that age isn't, isn't probably lining up with what you would think it is. Yeah, and as strange as it is, it's you know I I was one of those guys like oh you should at least investigate like Kellen Sampson going younger. Uh, I mean you look at it you know everything that's going on in sports these days having a young coach uh, that is qualified you know I, and I don't I can't say that Kellen Sampson was completely qualified for a job like Oklahoma because he hasn't been a coach. Uh, but at the same time, I just felt like Oklahoma needed to get younger. And as strange as it is to say, when you hire a fifty-two year old. I think the program got younger today, uh, and, and the feel of the program got younger. Even just the fact that Porter Moser clearly is a little bit enamored with the Jordan brand. Yeah, you know, I, he's just someone you sort of get excited to when he gets into those head-to-head recruiting battles. How he's going to connect with a family for an in-home visit? Yeah. That sounds like it's going to resonate. That sounds like that's going to be where he's really going to shine the most, and that recruiting. You know, elite players isn't going to be a, a problem. You know, you never really got the chance a lot with the Ramblers, but he, that door is going to open a lot wider now. And he seems like sort of like Jamar Kane with football. You know, guys exactly. have been around for a long time and have held up their end of the bargain at these smaller schools. Now that they get to the big one, they don't just rest on their laurels and say, hey, finally made it. I can relax. 
Instead, they take it to another level that they've never been at, and I think Moser's going to do the exact same thing. And I don't think it hurts that he's got, you know, sons that are of the age of, you know, around the age of kids that he's recruiting now and families that he, he's talking to with kids that age. Yeah, it'll be in- interesting to see if his uh, daughter ends up walking on for the Sooners like she did with the Ramblers. I mean, it, you know, having that family aspect that, you know, he mentioned time and time again how important it's been for, you know, his wife to be on this journey with him, for his kids to go with the flow. Hey, as someone who went from Chicago to Norman, I it's a culture shock. There's no, there is no doubt about that. So I, I think as, as he gets more comfortable, I I kind of do want to ask him more about that. Just what what it's been like. I just, you know, in Chicago, you can't even drive on the interstate without like just being backed up the entire time. So, but but yeah, he's got full support. You know, it sounds like maybe initially some hesitancy. You know, it's such a huge move, but. Once they've made it, there's no looking back, and they're all looking forward to what's to, what's to come now. Well, and you know, it's fun. go ahead, Eddie. Oh, I was just gonna say, just as you know, as a whole, it's just funny that I'm I'm thinking back to last week when we were talking about uh, you know the opening and which way they would go with it. Are they gonna get younger? Mark Turgeon was terrifying everybody. Which congratulations <laughs> to him yeah. for getting the contract extension in uh, in Maryland. But like. The name Porter Moser never really came up in my world just for the fact I didn't think it was realistic. Like, yes. What a win for Joe Castiglione yep. to be able to go up there and and, and actually uh, sway him to take the take the opportunity and take a chance because I really didn't think that it was it was even feasible to think that that could be an opportunity out there for Oklahoma. And I think that you know, if, if nothing else, I think we kind of learned a little bit about the way that Oklahoma is viewed from a national perspective. Was Porter Moser on the uh, Vegas list that came out with Turgeon as the the favorite? Yes, he was. Okay, yeah, yeah, he he was. But I mean, like Eddie said, I I was like, there's no way he could have left after the Final Four year, and he didn't choose to do it. He's going to be the next Mark Field. He's going to build this program like Gonzaga to where they're one of the best year in year out, and we don't blink, and we we understand that, and that's why it, it was surprising. It, but then. You know, when you hear about his love, Castiglione, and the, and the culture that's there, and just you, you get it. All the pieces are coming together at just the right time, and you know, just the right job that came came open. I I don't remember what big jobs were open in 2018 coming off that Final Four run, but it it's clear that this was one that he had sort of circled. That if anything were to happen, this is something he wanted to jump at. Well, think about the in light too of OU gets Porter Moser. Uh, North Carolina basically has to settle for an assistant and Hubert Davis. Uh, it doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, you saw the national guys saying that they, they tried to gauge, you know, some interest from big fish and didn't get any. Uh, so Joe Castiglione kind of comes down, you know, beneath the radar and gets a great hire. I believe it's a great hire. Uh, and people were asking me just the other day, like, how much longer do you think Joe Castiglione's going to be here? Uh, well, if you had any doubts, I got to think that this is a massive recharge for Joe Castiglione. He's going to hire a women's coach as well. He's got a young Lincoln Riley is, is his football coach. Uh, you know, Patty Gasso's got it going like nobody else in softball right now. Like, I have to think that Joe Castiglione is sitting there right now just saying, you know, oh, I can't wait to see what happens in the future with all these guys we just brought in. 
No, that's a really good point, Carrie, because you I was getting those same questions. Like, how long does Joe C really want to be here? And, you know, is he just trying to get a placeholder uh, coach and then the new AD will get the, the real future coach? But no, you get something like Moser. That's not a placeholder. That's not a transition coach for two, three years before you really. It's get a potential after, start like, of another the era. Top candidate. Right, exactly. Well, anything else either from either of you guys that really stood out about today's press conference? I mean, the style of play question, I'll, I I give him enough crap, I'll give it up to Dean Blevins for asking that question because I thought it elicited a really good response uh, just about, you know, it, it's not going to be a slow, you know, they'll play defense, yes, but they also, you know, have good offenses. Like, uh, and just his belief that he's going to be able to fill Lloyd Noble. Um, I thought that was kind of one of the things that really stuck with me about what he had to say today. And that's a lot what Lon Kruger preached too when he came, when he first got there. And Lon did everything he possibly could. We'll see if Moser, what different tactics he uses to try to be more successful. I mean, you know Lon gave his best efforts. Yeah. To, you know, he was he was sitting at the couch caf, you know, uh, cafeteria having lunch with students and they try to you know do the boom squad and the students like they've gone to those lengths. We'll see what different ideas Mojer brings to the table that might resonate just a bit more. Well, I think just getting over COVID and starting to get people in the stands more uh, you know, I, I mean, you at least have a foundation to work from. I mean, Lon was obviously fighting a losing battle over the last year uh, with all that stuff, regardless of how good the de- – I mean, when the team was top 10, it was just kind of like – I mean, that people remember that Texas game was pretty right. I remember the players talking about how that was the most noise that they'd heard in the arena in a while. Uh, but I think new coach, new excitement. Uh, I think, Bob, really the story will be the roster, who comes in, yep. who he can recruit. <laughs> I The one good thing that you've seen throughout this deal, the one – a uh, voice that everyone has been happy to hear from is Bijan Cortez because he even during the press conference today uh, was showing some love towards Porter Moses. Like he's been locked in. I know you've talked to him, but uh, that's the one good thing about recruiting so far is he's been locked in this entire time to OU. Yeah, there's there's three three names you got to watch. C uh, C J Nolan, the signee, rivals one fifty player from from Texas. I couldn't get a comment from him after Lon's retirement. I haven't been able to reach him since the hiring of Moser. So I don't, I'm sure he's going through a lot of issues trying to figure out what he wants to do. Family legacy at Kansas state, very easy option for him to get out of the letter of intent and be a wildcat. You look at Davion Harmon, uh, all his tweets still say he's based in Texas. I have no reason to dispute that. Like that. He's just not in Norman. You know, he's put in this thing to go that he intends to enter the draft. I don't know where his academic standing is, is going to be if he truly has just stopped going to class and stopped caring about school. That could be an issue. And then, of course, Brady Manick is out there. Since last time we potted, he put his name in the portal last uh, Friday. One of those that was actually a very respectful, is done in a respectful manner, just saying flat out, you know, I'm just keeping all my options open. I'm not saying I'm leaving OU, but I want to see what else is going to be out there. And you wonder how much does Moser reach out to Manic to try to bring him back into the uh, back into the fold. Eddie, any final thoughts from you about today? If he can get Cameron Crutwig to come as a grad transfer, <laughs> they should give him another million dollars. <laughs> we were waiting, Eddie. We were waiting for Top Dog. Take off the head. And there's Crutwig. Awesome. 
Holy shit, that would have been amazing. He would have come <laughs> zip lining in and then taken off the top dog head and he's like, I'm coming too. I think that would have been sweet. What was no, that? I mean, it's exciting though. I, th- I think that like with any hire, there's going to be a new level of excitement within the fan base. And it's not to say that like, you know, what Kruger left was just in an awful place, but I think that there was just a general kind of who gives a shit at the end of the year, especially the way that Oklahoma was playing basketball uh, in the last couple of years during February. So I think it's exciting and should be kind of fun to see how this whole thing comes together. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. We'll be back again next week. And uh, unfortunately for Josh, there's probably going to be some developments in basketball that we'll have to talk to at some point, uh, talk about at some point, but, uh, uh, remember, big, big recruiting weekend. Uh, Josh will be out in California. He's going to be in Dallas. Uh, the guys will be in Dallas uh, as well for the Rivals Camp on Sunday. So stay tuned uh, all weekend for that. Got the spring game coming up. More and more about spring football to come uh, as we head toward that. And, uh, boy, it's uh, it's starting to open up, and soon we'll have recruiting visits and all that stuff. Uh, so really looking forward to things starting to ramp up as they already have. So uh, congratulations uh, to uh, uh Porter Moser <laughs> on being named. I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Scooter Moser. I don't know why. He just after hearing him today, I just he seems like a scooter more than a porter. And then the two last names thing. He's like Ricky Bobby in reverse. He's got two last names. It's very confusing. Uh, so thanks to uh, to Josh, to Eddie, to Bob, and uh, all the great work you've been doing the last couple of weeks, Bob. We really appreciate it on the basketball front. Uh, And thank you all for listening, and we'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.